Thank you everybody for joining us. I'm Father Chris Alar, one of the Marian priests here at the National Shrine of Divine Mercy. And what a beautiful day. Um, if you're in this area, stop by Stockbridge. We're in the Brookshire Mountains, Western Massachusetts. The colors are starting to come out. The sun is out. Um, Michigan football is undefeated. And so what a great day. Life is good, right? So, so many good things. And uh, so we're super glad that you could be with us. Today we have a great, I feel, a great example for our youth. Not that I feel, I know, is a great example for our youth. So I, we have a really good talk today about Blessed Carlo Acutis. And you may have already started to hear some things about this amazing young man. And that's what we're going to talk about today. So let us begin in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. Heavenly Father, we ask through the intercession of Blessed Carlo Acutis that you protect our youth, that you guide them, give them temperance, give them purity, and most of all, safety in places such as cyberspace. We ask Blessed Mother Mary that you wrap your mantle around this talk and help bring enlightenment to all people. We ask this through Christ our Lord. Amen. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. Okay, so you saw on the slide, Carlo Acutis is this young boy, 15 years old, called the new saint of the internet. The new saint of the internet. Now, does anybody know who the original saint of the internet was? Saint Isidore of Seville. He lived in 600. So how could we have a patron of the internet who lived in the 600s? Internet, of course, obviously didn't exist because he was a compiler of information. John Paul II designated him the first patron saint of the internet. This is Saint Isidore of Seville in the 600 because he compiled all kinds of great information and he wanted to teach you everything from agriculture to how to build roads to uh, everything. Um, and so he was tabbed the internet patron saint, so to speak. But now recently, Carlo Acutis has been given the title, the new saint of the internet. Even though he's not technically a canonized saint, he's a blessed. Now let's go to our slides. Let's look at our first slide, if Brother Mark can show it. Now, this is what I like about him. They're calling him the first millennial saint. And boy, do we need that for these millennials, right? Okay, so born in 1991, he's the first millennial to be beatified. The first millennial to be beatified. Now, he was only 15 years old. He was only 15. And he's already been beatified. This is amazing. Our, why is he so important? Our millennials need help. I mean, the millennials, we definitely, they need help. Everything from these poor kids have been indoctrinated since their earliest ages in school to the lies of society, um, the loss of faith. Very few have any faith. The amount of time on their cell phones. I mean, I guess we're all guilty of that. I don't want to pick just on millennials. Do you know I just saw a study? Do you know that it's been proven that texting while you drive 
is more dangerous statistically than driving under the influence of alcohol. Wow. So be careful. The isolation that they feel. Why? Because these kids are not interacting anymore. These, these millennials, their existence now is in front of the screen. And I'm not denying that I don't spend time in front of the screen. I do my whole ministry from here. I have my Bible on here. I have my divine office on here. I have, oh my gosh, 12,000 unanswered emails on here. <laughs> okay. So I'm not denying that. But when this becomes our whole world, I mean, I think back to when I was in high school. When I was in high school, you didn't think of staying home on a weekend. You were out. You were out with your friends. You were interacting. You even dated. Now I heard that millennials don't even date. They hang out. <laughs> I'm like, no, we need to. Courtship brings knowledge of who the future spouse will be. And so this is what's happening. Sexual morals are being lost. The debt, no accountability. Um, actors, sports heroes becoming worshipped, not God. And of course, video games. Video games taking over our youth, and some adults too, right? And internet time. And we all got to be careful of that. Again, I'm not just picking on millennials. The internet time can suck us all in. I mean, I've said this before. I mean, I sit down. Sometimes I get home at midnight from the office and I'll sit down to check a ball score and maybe the news headlines. Next thing I know, I think it's 10 minutes. It's been an hour. That's how it can suck you in, right? And so it, it, there's some amazing statistics, scary statistics of why we need this saint today, why we need this blessed, a Car Carlo Acutis, the new patron of the internet. I mean, some of these stats are, are unbelievable. Do you know that on the, on the internet, over 50% of the youth have reported having been bullied? 90%, 90% of youth between eight and 16 have watched pornography on the internet. 90%. Now, here's the one that just shocks me. I, I had to verify this statistic. I spent all morning looking at this one statistic, and I hope my searches don't come up something bad, but the largest group of internet pornography users is age 12 to 17. That's unbelievable. The largest group of internet pornography users is age 12 to 17. I, I can't even imagine these precious little 12 year olds getting into this garbage, right? Yet only one third of houses have any kind of internet filter or protection. Only one third. Um, this one, here's another shocker. 22% 22% of teenage girls have reported sending a nude picture either to a boyfriend or posting it on the internet. 22%, almost one in four teenage girls has reported this in the statistics has either sent a nude picture or posted one. We need to do something. This is a reality 
whether we want to face it or not. Father, why are you talking about this? I don't want to hear about this. This is a reality whether we want to hear about it or not. Okay? 93% of teens use social media daily. 93%. So the thing is here, everybody, you're the parents. But this is where your children are receiving their information and their formation. This is where your kids are receiving their formation. So when you say it like this, is there any hope? Is there any hope? Yes. We have a great example. Let's look at our next slide. We have our next example. Akutis, Carlo. Right there's a picture of him on the internet. He was a gamer. He loved the internet. There's a picture of him on the internet. But he kept it in proper use. <clears throat> He's been a huge topic of conversation in the last few years. Huge interest about him. So who was this guy? Who was Carlo Acutis? I think he was sent by God for our times, for our youth, and that's why he died at only 15. He was a martyr in one sense to me, a white martyr. All right, he was born in May of 1991 in London, in England, but he actually moved to Milan, so he grew up in Italy. Um, very normal boy, very handsome. You can see the pictures, handsome young guy, uh, a natural jokester. He loved to enjoy making his classmates laugh, his teachers laugh, just an overall good kid. Ordinary boy, simple, spontaneous, likable, these are all how he's been described. He loved nature, loved animals, played football, um, had many friends. So he's a good example for our youth today. All right, here's the next picture. Let's, Brother Mark, show it. He loved the outdoors. He loved sports. There he is in the outdoors hiking. He loved the outdoors. You know, it said he loved sports. You know what his favorite sport was? Soccer. And I didn't know this, but do you know the most favorite sport of all the saints by far that had a sport or listed it was soccer. John Paul II's favorite was soccer. Do you know who else was a great soccer player? Do you know who went to college on a soccer scholarship and could have pursued it and men have been great? Father Kaz. Father Kaz. Very interesting. All right, so the thing was, yes, he loved sports and internet, but he brought virtue to it, right? You know, he even did it to the outdoors. You know what he would do? He would put on his mask. I used to love snorkeling, you know, diving. And he would put on a mask and he would play a game he called fetch trash from the bottom of the sea. <laughs> he would dive down and he would pick up garbage. When he went, took his dogs for a walk, he always picked up whatever garbage he came across. I would assume the dogs, garbage the dogs left behind too. <laughs> but he would, he would pick up garbage as he went along. Now, in this way, he would improve, he felt, the world in even a small way. That's who he was. But he was like any other kid. Um, he had a sweet tooth, right? Um, his favorite, and cameraman Giuseppe buys this, he sucks me into it, Nutella. It's like a chocolate like a chocolate spread. And Brother Mark sucks me into this. He loved ice cream. <laughs> so cameraman Giuseppe brings the Nutella. Brother Mark usually gets us the ice cream. So those are his two favorite things. So he's a normal kid, but he was most known for his love of video games. Now, this is a danger 
that is sucking up our youth today. But listen to what he did. Now, his favorite was PlayStation, right? Many of you probably know your kids and grandkids have this or PS2. I don't know these things. I don't even know. Is PlayStation the same as PS2 or different? I have no idea. I have no idea. But he's savvy for the computers. I mean, it's amazing. It's almost like it's in the blood now of the children. I was on the plane and I was sitting next to this mom and she had this little baby in her lap. And I am not exaggerating this. This little baby could not have been over two years old. And the baby's flicking through the tablet, clicking on apps. <laughs> I'm looking over like, whoa. I mean, in one sense, it's amazing because they're showing development of cognitive process. But in another sense, it's kind of scary. Two-year-old. and. The, the mom just sat there the whole plane flight as this two-year-old's flipping through and clicking apps. I mean, maybe three, but I can't imagine that child was over three years old. It was really unbelievable. And so this is what we have here. So he was very savvy. Um, he learned to write code at a very young age. He actually wrote computer code. And he was nicknamed, as I said, the patron saint of the internet because of the time and how he used it, but it was in a good way, all right? How do we know this? This is interesting. While they were investigating him for his beatification, because remember, you are, there are several stages before canonization, and you're a servant of God, then you're a blessed, then you're a saint, right? So he became, uh, an investigation to make him a blessed, they actually, the technicians, took his computer, they took his computer and they analyzed it to see what websites he had visited and what he had done on the computer. And it was found that the entire use of his computer, the entire use of it was for the good, was for the good, all of it. The postulator for his cause called him a missionary and he said he used the internet for one purpose, to spread the gospel any way he could. This guy died at 15 years old. So he's doing this at 12, 13, 14 years old. This is amazing. And so back to the video games. The danger with the video games is the amount of time I think it sucks our kids. I mean, when I was a little kid, I used to have to beg and plead and potter, uh, barter with my dad to be able to watch a few Bugs Bunny cartoons. Because Saturdays were not meant to sit in front of the TV. You're to be outside. You're to be outside. And, and there was no sitting and laying around. And that's the problem we have with these video games. But listen to what he did. He only allowed himself to play video games one hour a week. Even though his parents never set that, that restriction. All right. He did it as a penance and a spiritual discipline. Why? Here's very interesting. You know why he did it? Because he started to gain weight. Obesity, that's another problem. Not just with our kids, but our, all of us. I'm technically, for my height, I'm like 80 pounds overweight for my height. I mean, you know, those charts are hilarious. For my height, I should weigh like 90 pounds. <laughs> it's just crazy. Um, but, but if you... If you look at it it, it, it is a little bit concerning, right? So anyway, he put on weight and then he realized, I better get some self-control here. Again, this is a 
14-year-old kid at the time. And so he realized <clears throat> he needed some self-control. So it was many things like this that Carlo Acutis overcame to learn to master the art of self-control. He had vir the virtue of temperance. What's the opposite of gluttony? Now, gluttony is not just eating a lot. Gluttony can be too much TV. Gluttony can be too much internet. Gluttony could be too much laziness laying around that sloth in one sense. But too much of anything, what's the opposite virtue to that vice? Temperance. And so he talked a lot about temperance, right? Starting by doing things in moderation. Just remember, I, I told you guys this a long time ago. I lost 17 pounds from one sentence I heard somebody say. Never hungry, never full. You don't need to starve yourself because then your metabolism gets messed up. And you don't need to gorge yourself with three extra pieces of pizza when you only can use one. Never hungry, never full. Moderation. Moderation. And that's the beauty of what Carlo taught us. Now, he used to say, what's the use in winning 1,000 battles if you can't beat your own passions? Wow, that's some wisdom, isn't it? So Pope Francis weighed in on Carlo Acutis. I wanted to quote you a few things. He said, you know, the digital world can put you at risk of self-absorption, isolation, and empty pleasure. Boy, isn't that the truth? But don't forget that there are young people, even today, who show creativity and even genius. Listen to this. Carlo Acutis was well aware that all this could be used to suck us in, to lull us, to make us addicted in consumerism and buying the latest thing on the market, sucking up all our free time and caught up in negativity in comments on the internet. <laughs> Man, aren't those things true? Woo! Yet he knew how to use technology to transmit the gospel, to communicate values and beauty. Carlo didn't fall into the trap. He saw that many young people wanting to be different ended up being like everyone else. Now, this is fascinating. Running after whatever some actor or great athlete or somebody in power set before them with mechanisms of consumerism <clears throat> and distraction. You got to have this particular pair of shoes or you're nobody. I mean, I, I always am amazed. No wonder we have to pay so much for things, right? Because they got to pay these marketing firms millions, hundreds of millions of dollars to have some athlete say, I only drink this beer. Are you that insecure that you got to have some athlete tell you what beer to drink? Seriously? I have never, and I, I don't mean to be condescending, but I have never understood the concept of that because some overly rich actor says that this is the pair of shoes you got to have or athlete that's the only pair of shoes you can have that's not thinking for ourselves right so in this way they do not bring forth the gifts of the lord that he has given 
They do not offer the world those unique personal talents that God has given to each one of them. Now, here's the quote I found fascinating. So as a result, Carlos said, everyone is born as an original, but many people end up dying as photocopies. Hear that again. Every one of us was born as an original, but many people end up dying as photocopies. That's basically saying, think for yourself. I don't have to have some spoiled multi-billion dollar uh, Bill Gates tell me what I need to do for my health. I don't need Michael Jordan telling me what pair of shoes I need to wear. I don't need that. That's becoming a photocopy. And that's what's happening in our world today. I was, uh, again, I admit, I admit, I get sucked into the sports. My Michigan football, I, I admit that. But I turned it on to see the score one night, and they were talking about some athlete that turned down a $400 million contract. $400 million, no, maybe $300 million. And ESPN, known for their liberalism, sometimes is, is, is one side opinion. But even the announcer said something kind of interesting. The athlete said, I'm turning down this $300 million contract. I'm insulted. I have a family to feed. And the announcer, God bless him, on ESPN said, I got to ask, what are you feeding your kids, gold nuggets? <laughs> $300 million and you're insulted to play a game? And you say you got to feed your family. True, I got to agree. What are, you, what are you feeding your kids? Gold nuggets? Wow. So anyway, this is the whole message. Now, how did he get this way? Let's, let's really talk about Carlos. How did he get this way? All right, at four years old, his grandma died. And she appeared to him asking for prayers. You know, many times, I'll tell you, the two groups that I know see angels and see God in this world are special needs people, the, the handicapped and special needs, and little children. We as adults have lost that innocence. They have that innocence. And so let's look at our next slide. At seven years old, here's the next picture of him. There, isn't any cute kid? Seven years old, he requested First Communion. <clears throat> How many of us see the child request of the parents' first communion? Most of it, I was one of them. Parents said, you're going to be making your first communion. I've, I laugh so hard. I think back to myself. I remember saying, why? <laughs> I was seven. I did not find my vocation to years, years later, decades later. So people say, well, his parents must have been then super devout, right? No, not at all. Listen to this. From a young age... He had a natural love of God, even though his parents were not devout. So there's hope, even if our parents are not super devout. His mom said that before Carlo brought her to the faith, she had only been to Mass three times in her life. Isn't that something? Here comes a saint, and the mom admitted she'd only been to Mass three times 
in her whole life before he inflamed her with the faith. So yes, this is, this is fascinating to me. Um, yet Carlo responded to this grace that God gives every one of us. Children or adult, God gives everybody the grace to find him. If we don't find God, it's because it's not because he didn't give us the grace. It's because there's something in our life blocking that grace. And so this is important. Now, as a young child, he loved to pray the rosary and he went to confession every week. Remember, I've said this before and I think it's so important. Never stop praying the rosary. You know why? Because if you're living in mortal sin and you're praying the rosary every day, one of the two is going to go. You cannot continue to pray the rosary daily and live in mortal sin. Either you are going to stop praying the rosary and choose your mortal sin, or you're going to keep praying the rosary and you're going to stop sinning mortally. If you keep praying the rosary, one of the two will go. Either you will stop sinning or you will stop praying the rosary. The two will not coexist together. Fascinating. All right, so he went to Mass as often as he could, and he would make a holy hour before and after every Mass. That's amazing. All right, let's look at the next picture. He asked his parents to take him on pilgrimages to the places of Eucharistic miracles. And I love that because I've done a couple talks on Eucharistic miracles, and this is the saint. All right. This is the fruit of his devotion. His witness of faith led to deep conversions in his mom. He converted his mom. Here's a 13, 12, at the time, 12 or 13 year old boy converting his mom. And it said that he managed to drag his relatives and his parents to mass every day. That's kind of the opposite of what we expect, right? We think of the parents having to drag the kids here. It's the kids having to drag the parents. And, 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 and I think that's fascinating. Now, I'm certainly not 15 years old anymore, but I, I talked to my dad the other day. I said, if mom's doing better, let's get her to mass. Let's get her to mass. And so this is important. Now, it was usually the other way around, but not here. Not his parents bringing him to mass, but it was he who managed to get himself and his relatives to mass daily communicants. This is awesome. So his mom, I love this. His mom, he kept asking his mom so many questions about the faith. Now, moms, ask yourself this question. Now, you might have an inquisitive little boy or grandson, right? Asking questions all the time, asking questions all the time. He used to ask his mom so many questions about God and the faith. You know what his mom did? After she converted and started going to church, she enrolled in a theology class just to be able to answer his questions. So just to be able to answer his questions, she enrolls in a theology class. God bless her. What a great mom. And so anyway, so she wanted to be able to do that. So anyway, Carlo could not, this one, this one I have thought about too. He would look at the jam full stadiums at football games. And again, I raise my hand because I've been in those stadiums. But he would look at those full stadiums of people and wonder why they were full, but the churches were empty. That's a great question. He even thought about becoming a priest. He would have been a good one. I mean, look at his works of mercy. 
Remember, a priest is not just about praying. Priest's job is being out there. Now listen to this. He used his first savings because he met a homeless man on his way to mass and he took his first savings and he bought that homeless man a sleeping bag. There's nothing better for, for a homeless person than being warm. He bought him a sleeping bag. Now he could have bought himself another video game, right? That's true almsgiving. Almsgiving is not just putting a little extra surplus of your money in the basket on Sunday. That's not almsgiving. Almsgiving is giving something up that you were going to get yourself, that you wanted to keep, and giving it to another. So almsgiving was what he did. He gave up getting another video game to buy a sleeping bag. So his funeral <clears throat> was packed with many homeless people. Wow, that's interesting. So, um, in fact, remember Gandhi? Gandhi said, I really seriously considered becoming a Christian. The problem was I never met one. I wanted to become a Christian, but I never met one. We learn, but we don't live it. That's why on Saturdays we give you the teaching of explaining the faith but on Wednesday nights in EWTN, we bring you living divine mercy, showing you stories of people living it in their faith, living it in their life. And so that's why we do Saturday for teaching you. And then Wednesday nights at 630 Eastern time, we have living divine mercy for people showing stories of people living mercy. Now, there was a Hindu who used to be the cleaning person at Carlos's house. They were wealthy, actually. His family was wealthy and the shows that you don't have to be corrupted by wealth. And anyway, um, he would come to his house and he was so impressed that this young man that he described as so handsome, young, and rich decided to live a very simple life. This Hindu cleaning person quoted and said, he captivated me with his deep faith, charity, and purity. This man named Rahish decided he was Indian, he was Hindu, he decided to be baptized and become Catholic. Wow. So this purity that he noticed was a very important part of Carlo's life. Now this is, this is to me what baffles us in today's day and age. All right. He said, each person reflects the light of God. This is Carlo talking now. It hurt him when his classmates did not live according to Christian morals. And I'm telling you, this is the culture. You can have an innocent young kid that gets sucked into the culture. I'll use myself as an example. I remember vividly, vividly, in fifth grade, we were driving to a football game. And I was in the car with three other fifth grade classmates. And one of the moms was driving. So my mom was driving. Her son was in the front seat and two of us were in the back seat. I was in fifth grade. And I remember the one boy telling dirty jokes. I mean, and they were not just kind of dirtier. They were bad. And I remember I was brand new in the town. We had just moved there. And the town I came from in Holly 
we didn't do this. It wasn't really kind of part of the culture, at least in fourth grade. Then I get into fifth grade and I move there and guess what? It was a Catholic school. When I was in Holly, I went to a public school and never heard that, at least in fourth grade. And by the way, I just got contacted by my favorite third grade teacher from Holly, Michigan, Miss Jacob. She, sent, she said, I saw you on EWTN. I, she was my favorite teacher in the whole world. And I wanted to thank her because we were so well formed, we didn't do that. We supported a culture there, and this was public school, fourth grade. Then I move to a new town, and I go into a Catholic school, and I'm driving, and I don't know what to make of this. They're telling dirty jokes, and the mom is driving. She didn't say a word. So I laughed. I kind of joined in. I figured, well, this is the culture. Now, if I would have been back in Holly and nobody would have done that, I wouldn't have done it because that wasn't the culture. But yet driving with this mom and the mom didn't say anything. And these other two were joking and I, I kind of got involved. This is how easy it is for our young, innocent youth to get sucked in. And so we have to understand this is where the parent comes in. I'm not pointing fingers at that mom, but it had been, you know, maybe prudent you know, if the mom would have said, guys, uh-uh, uh-uh. But they didn't give a boy an inch, he'll take a mile. You know those Protestant billboards in front of their churches? Give Satan an inch and he'll become your ruler. Think about that. Give Satan an inch and he'll become your ruler. Not just your ruler of your life, but the 12-inch ruler. Give him an inch, and he'll become your ruler. Woo! Okay. So, anyway, this was, this was uh, what was going on. So, he would encourage them to be pure. He tried to help them understand that the human body is a gift. Again, this is a preteen boy. A teenager. He said that, the, that they, their bodies a gift from God and their sexuality had to be lived as God intended. So here's what his mom said. His mom said the dignity of each human being, she quoted him now. This is his mom, Carlo's mom. The dignity of each human being was so great that Carlo saw sexuality as something very special. Again, he died at 15 as it was collaborating with God's creation. Now, how many parents are we have the courage now to do that? I didn't even have the courage to do that in amongst groups. And I've been guilty of being flimping in my words and talk and speech. So praying and talking to this saint and doing this research. I, I hear people send comments all the time. Father, thank you for helping us. And I'm thinking I'm the one being helped. I'm the one being helped here. Um, so anyway, he had a wholesome relationships. And, you know, he had a lot of relationships with girls. Deep conversations, a lot of relationships with girls. Let's look at our next slide. Let's look at our next slide. He, he basically followed, he said, in the footsteps of St. Francis and St. Clair of Assisi. He truly believed in the possibility of a genuine friendship between men and women. But you got to keep it 
proper perspective, okay? You got to, because perception is dangerous if there seems to be scandal or something like that. Now, he was also intent on doing what he could so that young women would be respected. Again, amazing for a young boy. Um, it was said that he was quite uncompromising with lust and promiscuity. All right. In fact, there was one thing he held to. This guy's amazing. He despised forms of harassment against young girls, especially about their bodies. Wow. He did not just disapprove. He publicly chastised those who would comment on a girl's breasts or body. He would chastise them. Now, what did he tell them? Did he yell at them? Did he threaten them? No, not at all. He told them plainly something much more daunting. He said, their body is a temple of the Holy Spirit. And you're objectifying it. That's the issue with pornography. As much as our human biology wants to reach out, you're objectifying it, the, the person. Now, he developed these virtues from his adolescence. He prayed the rosary daily. He had a lot of other devotions, and he frequently spent time in Eucharistic adoration. So look at our next slide. All right, this is a great quote. Again, there's a picture of Carlos. He basically said in this quote here, when we face the sun, we get a tan. But when we stand before Jesus in the Eucharist, we become saints. So basically, Christ is going to wear off on you. You spend enough time with somebody, they will wear off on you. Good or bad. You spend enough time with somebody holy, their holiness will rub off on you. You spend enough time with somebody living in vice, drugs, alcohol, pornography, sooner or later it's going to rub off on you. So what he's saying here, it's like the sun. You spend a lot of time in the sun, you're going to get a tan. The sun is going to rub off on you. He says, instead, go in front of the Blessed Sacrament, and Jesus will rub off on you. Eventually, he will rub off on you. If you're not imitating Christ, you're not spending enough time in front of the Blessed Sacrament. That's a fascinating concept, isn't it? <clears throat> All right. So, Carlos wanted people to approach the Eucharist, and how did he do this? The internet. He used the internet and he promoted Eucharistic miracles. So he built a website. And this is one of the websites I use for my Eucharistic miracles talk. Let's look at this, uh, Brother Mark, and put it up. CarloAcutis.com. CarloAcutis, C A R L O A C U T I S. Dot com. Now, this has a link to the original Italian site. Okay, that's where he, he developed, it was actually an Italian site, but this English site links to it. Now, on the site, he told people, the more often we receive the Eucharist, the more we will become like Jesus, so that on this earth we will have a foretaste of heaven. I just said that. Jesus will wear off on you. He listed where great Eucharistic miracles occurred in the world. He made a website about it. Recognized by the church from 
early times all the way to the present day. And this led him to some great quotes. I want to share with you some great quotations. Listen to some of these quotes that he said. Um, there's, there's a few of them I want to share with you. He said many great quotes. Um, I love quotes because I think they, they are eye-openers. I quote Winston Churchill probably the most. But the Virgin Mary, this is his first quote, the Virgin Mary is the only woman in my life. Even though he had female friends, detach. Next, by standing before the Eucharistic Christ, we become holy. It's radiation therapy. If you stand before the gamma rays, you're going to get the gamma rays, right? Wasn't that the Incredible Hulk? He got the gamma rays. You stand before the Blessed Sacrament, you're going to get its radiation therapy. All right, next. Continuously ask your guardian angel for help. He has to become your best friend. Ask your guardian angel for help. He's got to become your best friend if you're going to make it. Next, all people are born as originals, but many die as photocopies. We talked about that. Next, sadness is looking at ourselves. Happiness is looking towards God. You know why I love this one? I teach my seventh grade catechism. You want to know what the definition of sin is? A lot of people are confused. Well, sin means I can't have fun. You know what the definition of sin is? It's simple. It's taking your eyes off of the creator and putting it onto the creature or the created thing. Sin is taking your eyes off the creator, God, and putting it onto the creature or created thing, sex, money, or power. That's the very definition of sin. So he says sadness is looking at ourselves. Happiness is looking at God. Next, he said, the only thing we have to ask God for in prayer, one thing. If you say to yourself, I'm intimidated because I can't get all my prayers in. I can't remember if I prayed for this person and that person. And I didn't remember if I prayed for this or that. He says, it doesn't matter. He said, you, if, if, if you only do one thing, and again, I'm learning from this because sometimes I don't get into the chapel till midnight and I fall asleep. He said, there's one thing and only one thing only you got to remember when you go into prayer to ask God for to become holy. That's it. Become holy. So if you say to yourself, I'm so busy, I got no time today to even do anything. I don't even have time to go to the bathroom. Stop for a minute and just say, Lord, help me to become holy in every word, deed, and action. Every word, thought, and deed. That's it. That's it. Amazing. Lastly, our soul is like a hot air balloon. If there is mortal sin, the soul, like the hot air balloon, will fall to the ground with no heat. Confession is like the fire underneath the balloon, enabling the soul to rise again. Go to confession. All right, we're wrapping up here. Shorter talk today. One, he had a deep love of Mary. You know what he said about Mary? The Virgin Mary is the only woman in my life. He said this and he called the rosary, which he prayed daily, the shortest ladder to climb to heaven. 
and the most powerful weapon to fight the devil after the Eucharist. This is powerful. So he wrote a lot, not only about uh, the Eucharistic miracles, but his, listen to this, he also conceptualized a big series on Marian apparitions, and guess who completed those? His mom. After he died, his mom completed those. All right, next, he had a love for the church and the saints. Listen to this. Quote, he said, to criticize the church means to criticize ourselves because the church is the dispenser of treasures for our salvation. Here's interesting. We judge the church not by those who don't live according to her teachings, but we need to judge the church by those who do live according to her teachings. So when anybody says to you, I'm not a Christian anymore because that priest who fell away and had an affair. Okay, yeah, wrong, bad, not good. Remove or abuse somebody. Remove him. But what about all the other people in the church? What about all the other priests? What about all the saints? What about St. Augustine? What about John Paul II? What about St. Faustina? How about them? That's what he's saying. You judge the church by the ones who do what they're supposed to do according to church teaching, not those who don't. That's a powerful statement. All right. Now, he said this. He said, um, he says, we have to live according to those who follow her teachings, which is why we draw near to the saints like St. Francis of Assisi. And he loved great saints like St. Tarsisius or Dominic Savio. Two great saints if you haven't learned about them. Next, he had a vibrant love of charity. You know what he did? He most stuck up for classmates who were being bullied especially the disabled. That was the one as a kid, I was far from the perfect kid. I, you know, I really was not a perfect kid at all. But the one thing I always remember was defending kids on the playground that got picked on. And the one that really got to me was if it was something like a physical handicap or a speech impediment. I, that was one thing, and that's what Carlos Acutis did. He stuck up for them, especially the disabled. In fact, he would invite these kids to his house. You know who else he invited to his house? The children of divorced couples. What wisdom. Because he saw that <clears throat> their family is falling apart. I want to provide them family. I want to provide them family. And so these kids who were suffering from divorce or domestic problems, he'd bring them over to his house. He was smart, computer whiz kid. He would tutor others who were struggling with their homework or computer problems. Um, he would basically talk his friends out of experimenting with drugs or pornography. Usually the kids are talking each other into it. He talked them out of it. He spent time with the elderly, helping them do things, brought food to the homeless, and used his allowance to buy the homeless clothes. What a guy. All right, so his greatest charity was to share the faith. From the time he was 11, not even a teenager yet, he taught catechism. Catechism. I always people say, I say, Father, you say catechism. So sorry about that. 
So anyway, he would inspire younger kids to strive for holiness, to make the faith practical. So you know what he did? He put together what he called, let's put up the next slide, a holiness kit. A holiness kit. You want to know what's in the holiness kit of Carlo Acutis? Let's look at it. It's up on your screen. One, these are his nine steps to heaven. The holiness kit. Number one, love God first with all your heart. Easier said than done, but important. Two, each day try to go to mass. He doesn't say you have to go to mass every day. He said try to go to mass every day, even if it's virtual. Three, each day try to receive Holy Communion. And if you can't, make a spiritual communion. Four, pray the rosary. Five, read a small passage of sacred scripture. Maybe the daily readings. Just read the daily readings and watch our homilies. Heard Father Anthony give a good homily today. Six, visit Jesus in the tabernacle each day. Now, that may not be possible, but if it is, we should. Seven, aha, go to confession once a week. Oh, Father, I don't have any sins. Trust me. <laughs> if you don't think you have any sins, start with the sin of pride. We all got him. Even the Bible says even the righteous man sins seven times a day. I am 70 times seven. Eight, help others as often as you can. And nine, rely on your guardian angel. He really poked at that. I'm seeing this as a sign for me. I've been thinking about looking into doing a consecration to the guardian angels. This is really powerful. All right, so his mom said he attracted people to the faith by his example more than his words. And she said to live close to someone like Carlo means you will not remain neutral in your faith. Again, it rubs off on you. Hang around with the right people. You know, when I was in school, thank God for good teachers. For our teachers out there, you're the most unsung heroes in my book. You're way underpaid, you're way overworked, and it's very hard to do what you do with all these restrictions on you. But I, I'll never forget one teacher I had. And this teacher took the initiative to tell my mom, Chris is hanging around with so-and-so. He's a bad influence on Chris. And my mom sat me down, and she says, I want you to be nice and to talk with David Locke. He was this really good kid. I never paid any attention to because my friends were over here. I was in third grade. And my mom said, why don't you become friends with David Locke? And I said, I don't really know David Locke. Now you should, she said. You know, I did it out of my mom's request, and I ended up loving the guy. He ended up becoming my best friend. And he was such a better influence than the other particular individuals. And David Locke really made an impression. Because that teacher 
took the initiative to say something to my mom, and my mom took the initiative to challenge me. I think back how that changes things in your life, to have a good influence. Amazing, actually. So know who your kids' friends are and who they associate with. Are they the right ones? Now, I mean, I know it's hard. You can't be there with them 24-7. But it's important. His zeal, his zeal was great. It led him to design websites not only on the Eucharist, but as I said, on Marian apparitions. And he also did a 170-part series. Just think, we're only on 115 here. <laughs> but he did a 170-part series on the end times which, by the way, we'll be doing on EWTN, and a 131-part series on the angels and the demons. We also did that here. All right, last page. Last page. Again, amazing saint, or blessed. All right. But here I'm, I'm making this guy sound like everything was perfect in his life. But actually, that wasn't true either. He struggled. Saints often struggle with every vice you can imagine. You know, we know about St. Augustine's struggle with purity, but did you ever know St. Catherine of Siena? A medieval nun was tormented with lust. People are like, well, I can understand St. Augustine, he was a guy. No, a medieval nun. St. Catherine of Siena would have visions of people doing sexual acts right in front of her, and she would be so tempted, and yet... God was allowing it for her to grow in virtue and purity. I'm like, okay, that seems kind of odd. But that's how she overcome it, because she trusted God when those moments would happen, that she would run to him for help. So all saints have struggled. Don't think that this is a perfect world. Even Carlo Acutis didn't have the perfect life. All right. He had to struggle. You know what his big struggle was? Loneliness. He was an only child. He had busy parents. He lived in the city. He struggled. So don't get discouraged. He also struggled with the challenge of his health. In 2006, okay, he did not feel well. This was the summer right before he was beginning school. He didn't feel well. Now, at first, it seemed like the normal flu, all right? But he didn't get better, so his parents took him to the hospital. And when his parents took him to the hospital, as they were taking him in, he said, I'm not coming out of here. He knew his time on earth was over. I'd have been petrified. I'd still be scared. And here's this 15-year-old boy teaching us by example. And he says, I'm, I'm not getting out of here. Can you imagine his poor parents? He was diagnosed with one of the worst types of leukemia, acute myeloid leukemia, AML they call it, or M3. His reaction was unbelievable. When he found out that he had terminal illness, he said he offered up all his sufferings for Pope Benedict. He offered up all his sufferings for Pope Benedict and for the church. 
And just think how many of us are out there every day condemning the church. And yet he offered all of his suffering to Pope Benedict and the church. He said, I offer, quote, all the suffering I will have to suffer for the Lord, for the Pope, and for the church. Wow. And then right before he died, he said, you know, to have a long life doesn't mean that this is a good thing. Because one can live a very long time and live badly. He humbly confessed, I am happy to die because I have lived my life without wasting time on those things that do not please God. You know that expression, only the good die young? I think back to two of my best friends ever. And they both have died. Nick Rafko was my brother growing up. We did everything together. He, he was quite a guy. His, he started the linebacker in the University of Wisconsin football team in the Rose Bowl. His sister was Miss America. He was engaged to be married and got killed in a car wreck. And I, I'll never forget my dad. When we got the news, my dad said, you know, the world needs a million more Nick Rafkos. And we lost the one we got. And I remember thinking, is that true? The good die young. Part of me believes, yeah. Yeah. Because they were ready for heaven. Bob Brandt. My other good friend from high school. That ended up being a special friend is and and I'll never forget he said when he was starting to get really sick he said nothing Chris is going to keep me from your ordination and two other friends were the most holy people Carl Eby and my uncle Frank and they were all dying at the time I was going to be ordained all at the same time my uncle Frank says, if they have to wheel me in in a venerator, I'm not missing Chris's ordination. All three of them died right before my ordination. And I remember thinking they were all ready for heaven. They were all ready. If that's the case, I'll probably live to be 150. <laughs> because God is going to keep giving me the chance to do it right, to do it right, and to get ready for heaven. I always think about that. So he saw this. He says, I'm not afraid. So let's look at our next slide. He died shortly after this, after he found out. He died on October the 12th. His feast day is this Wednesday. So doing the talk today can help you maybe pray or celebrate his feast day on Wednesday. He died in 2006. Now he was buried in Assisi by request. He's not even from Assisi, but he was buried there. He requested there because of his love for St. Francis of Assisi, the man he modeled himself after. And so his mom 
Remember I said earlier that he thought about being a priest. His mom says he is now being a priest from heaven. Powerful. All right, so almost done here. He was designated, let's go to our next slide, venerable in 2018 and blessed in 2020. So EWTN did a little two-minute clip I want to show it to you right now. To finish up here, I just got a couple more sentences afterwards, but let's watch this clip. We work with EWTN, so I'm able to show this. There's a little news clip they did on Blessed Carlo Acutis. It's really good. Let's take a look. Finally tonight, Pope Francis calls on young Christians around the world to look at the life of a late 15-year-old computer programmer as a model of holiness. He made these remarks from the Vatican as Carlo Acutis was being beatified in the town of Assisi in central Italy. EWTN's Vatican correspondent, Colm Flynn, brings us a report of Saturday's beatification. Surrounded by the hills of Umbria and the forests of Monte Sumbasio, Assisi is one of the best-preserved medieval towns in the world and the birthplace of St. Francis of Assisi. And this past Saturday, the town was alive as people from near and far arrived to celebrate the beatification of Carlo Acutis. The celebrations of this beatification actually started a week ago when the tomb of Carlos was opened and put on display. It attracted many young people who were able to see for the first time a soon-to-be saint dressed in ordinary typical clothes of a boy his age. Carlo was 15 when he died of leukemia in 2006. He had incredibly strong faith and used his knowledge of computer programming to create a special website dedicated to the promotion of the Eucharist. The Mass was celebrated by Cardinal Vellini at St. Francis's Basilica and was watched on a live feed in different squares and churches around the town. Young pilgrims who were in attendance said Carlo is someone they can look up to as a role model. Uh, because he, he lived in the same world as, as we do, he is very close to us and the, the way we live. And I think it is very um, moving to have um, such an example of a, an exemplary life. Uh, he gives me this hope of uh, our time is just as good as any other to, to be holy. As the sun set over Assisi, it marked the end of another step in the path to sainthood for Carlo Acutis. Okay, so that was a good quick little video to show you about the um, story of the beatification of Carlo. Uh, what a great, again, a great story. So, you know, I, I want to finish by saying, you know, he may be the most famous 15-year-old person to ever die, at least in our times. Very, very, very interesting. And, you know, um, I read this in one of the online as I was doing the research. It says, I, I should have wrote down the person who said this, so I'm sorry, I'm borrowing somebody else's quote, but I, I forgot to write down the name. But a person now um, online said, and this was a posted church article, it wasn't just a comment, but while the beatifications, not canonizations, beatifications of Padre Pio, Mother Teresa, and John Paul II were bigger than the crowds in, uh, in Assisi for Carlo, because that was during the pandemic. None 
had 15 days of preparation and veneration or a vigil of prayer the night before like Carlos. The beatification of Carlo had a bigger preparation, veneration, and time of prayer than Padre Pio's beatification, Mother Teresa's beatification, or John Paul II's. That is mind-blowing. That is mind-blowing. And it happened 29 years after his birth. He was born in 1991 and um, was beatified in 2020. So it's 29 years after his birth. So this Catholic theologian said, Blessed Carlo is perhaps touching far more people than any of those great saints when they were 29 years old. So he's ahead of the game. Amazing. And he's just getting started. It's like St. Faustina. Remember St. Faustina said, my mission has only begun after my death. Wow. So anyway, initially, there were reports that his body was found to be incorrupt. And it may have well been true, but remember, sometimes they change them. They can be incorrupt for a while, and then they become corrupt. But anyway, a spokeswoman for Acutus's beatification said, yes, the entire body was present when it was exhumed, but it was not fully corrupt, in, incorrupt. So the archbishop, Domenico Sorrentino of Assisi, said at the Mass when they opened the tomb, quote, today we see him again in his mortal body, a body that has passed in the years of burial here in Assisi through the normal process of decay, which is the legacy of the human condition after sin has removed it from God, the source of life. Yes, this is true. But this mortal body is clearly destined for resurrection. They could see it. They could see it. So the slide here is a picture of him. He was buried. I have to smile at this one. He was buried in jeans, a tracksuit jacket, and a pair of Nikes. He was buried the way he lived. They didn't put a big suit on him. They didn't do that. They buried him in his jeans and Nikes. And his heart, which now can be considered a relic, right, has been displayed in a reliquary in the Basilica of St. Francis of Assisi, in Assisi. So if you get to Assisi, go see it. I was there and didn't even know it. Pounding myself now. And so Acutis Carlo was beatified, as we said, in 2020 after a miracle was attributed to his intercession, was verified. And the miracle involved, guess what? A 15-year-old boy in Brazil who suffered from a very rare pancreatic disorder and was completely cured in 2013. Guess what? After he touched one of Acutis's T-shirts. Now, if people said, you know, you Catholics are crazy. This garbage isn't biblical. Oh, yes, it is. Read the part in the Gospels or in the Acts of the Apostles where the man was healed by touching Paul's handkerchief or the bones of Elisha or the shadow of Peter. That's in the Bible. 
The handkerchief didn't cure them. God did, but it was through things that God does work through. And so, Akutis, he can become a saint if a second miracle then is attributed to him and is verified, but we totally believe that will happen. You know why? Because he appeared to his mom shortly after his death, and he said, Mom, not only will I be beatified, I will be canonized. So that, on his feast day, October the 12th, is coming up this Wednesday. Let's pray for that. Let's look at our last slide. The inspiration for young people, blessed Carlo Acutis. So you can see there a great example of a saint we should pray to in his feast day, as we said, is next Wednesday. And so we invite you to pray for that. Now, if you'd like to learn more, uh, Brother Mark, if you could show our next slide. Our gift shop has a great book on Carlo Acutis. It's by Father Will Conquer, and a lot of what I got here was from this. And so I want to credit this. So look up on your screen. This is at our Divine Mercy gift shop. So any of you here, you can go over and see if they, how they have any in stock, but they can order it if they don't. They do have some in stock. You can visit the Divine Mercy, I'm sorry, DivineMercyGiftShop.org, or you can call 800-484-1112. And the proceeds here help us in our Divine Mercy ministry. The title of the book, Carlo Acutis, A Millennial in Paradise. So consider getting that. And then to finish with the last couple slides, please, the beauty of having saints like this, the beauty of being able to have examples is because we're part of the body of Christ. And a great way that you could become or stay in the body of Christ is to become a Marian helper with us. On your screen, please join or visit micprayers.org. It doesn't cost anything. I don't care if you ever donate a dollar. You've heard me say this. Yes, we still need to keep the lights on and the cameras going. So... Donations are appreciated, but it's not required. We're going to pray for you. One woman wrote me this most touching letter, and she says, Father, I can't donate, and I really feel bad because now you won't pray for me. I'm like, what? Never would we do that. Never, never. I don't care if you donate uh, nothing. Again, we appreciate it because we've got to keep going, but that's not why you're marrying helper. Why you're marrying helper is to pray for us and we pray for you. You can get the benefits of our masses, rosaries, prayers, penances, just like you are marrying priest or brother. So please, it only takes a couple minutes. It doesn't cost anything. Visit micprayers.org and become a marrying helper. And then lastly, um, we're getting close. I wanted to mention um, that I'll be down in South Carolina. We get a lot of good letters and, and comments from people in South Carolina. And and so I wanted to show you um, a conference that I'll be at at the end of the month, and it's called the uh, 10th Annual Marian Eucharistic Conference. It's at the Hilton Hotel in Greenville, South Carolina. I will be there the end last weekend in October, October 28th and 29th. So if you want to register, please do. The website is meconferencesc.net or you can email my assistant, Peter James, at Marion 
www.greenvillesafetyfund.org. So if you know anybody in South Carolina, Greenville area, where you yourself can make it there, would love to meet you. Please come on down. That'll be the last weekend in October. So until then, please keep praying for our youth. This is one of the most critical things that we're not doing. We're not even baptizing our youth. That to me is the root of all the problems because without baptism, we don't have the supernatural virtues. So we have to do this. And you can start, if you can't get through to your youth, maybe Carlos Acutis can. So praise be to God for the gift of the saints. The Lord be with you. May Almighty God bless you, the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Go in peace. The talk has ended. Thanks be to God. Thank you, everybody. God bless you. Please follow or subscribe to this podcast to receive the latest episodes and updates. If you have been blessed by this podcast, I invite you to leave a review. Reviews greatly improve our podcast ranking and will help spread this podcast to other people throughout the world. Are you enjoying this podcast? I invite you to listen to more shows brought to you by the Marian Fathers of the Immaculate Conception. Join us daily for enriching spiritual content, which will help you on your journey with Jesus Christ. Simply visit divinemercyplus.org for a complete list of our shows. That's divinemercyplus.org. Are you a Marian helper? Join our Spiritual Benefit Society and start sharing in the graces of all the daily masses, prayers, and good works of Marian priests and brothers all over the world. Sign up is free and easy. Simply visit micprayers.org. That's micprayers.org. Thank you. And God bless you.